Welcome back to the Professor Penn Podcast, episode 49. We're going to fight for the right. Uh, David Penn here, happy to be here. Feeling well today. Hope you're feeling well. This is all about our well-being. It's not about our material well-being alone. It's about our entire global well-being. The material is one dimension. We've got our internal power, our external power, and our spiritual power. The well-being is the balance of those dimensions of our human being, our human being. We're Truth Media. We're searching for the truth, and I want to thank Free People Radio for giving us a platform to search with you together, to have this community. And I really appreciate those of you who join me in the live chat, and we're getting to know each other. It's, it's called building a community. And for those of you that wonder, when I say, please send this out, please ask your friends and your relatives and your coworkers to visit the site to subscribe. For those of you who say, oh, Professor Penn, you're trying to get rich. And I hear that sometimes. And I have to tell those people, hey, I'm not a communist. Uh, I would like to have material well-being. And if I was really focused on my material well-being alone, I wouldn't be doing this. I would just be working on making money. This is about a political movement, an action movement, so that we, the American people, can rise up, take control of our government by self-governing, and wrest the steering wheel of our country away from the mass murderers and the materialists and the humanists who do not care about us. They don't have a concern about us. We're inventory to them. And you, my listener, my viewer, you are not inventory to me. You are my co-creator of a community. So please help me build this community. And one of the ways you can do it is by supporting our sponsor, TireGet.com. That's T-I-R-E-G-E-T.com. 14,000 different kinds of tires in stock. Every tire you could ever need for your vehicles. You go there, you buy it. And you got to buy tires anyhow, so when you buy them at TireGet, you're supporting this broadcast. That's the patriot economy. We see what happens when the people turn their back on brands and boycott brands because of their quote-unquote wokeness. We're doing a great job of breaking people. Let's do an equally good job of making people. Let's find the companies and the people that are supporting this movement and please spend your money with those companies and those people because they're giving everything they have to the movement. That would be me, Professor Penn. Precinctstrategy.com. Every time we bring it up, because every time we have a new viewer or a new listener and that one new person may have never heard before, precinctstrategy.com, where you, if you're new to the community, can go for a tutorial to learn everything you need to know to get into the game of politics. Get off the bench, get in the game, make your will part of the equation. 
you may choose to get involved in your political party, your local political unit. And all politics is local. What they're trying to scam us with, the con is, oh, it's the presidential election. Oh, it's global governance. It's about governance that's so far above our heads, we don't even know who's doing what to whom and to why. But when we're in our own neighborhood, when we're working with our neighbors and our friends, our coworkers, when we're concerned about our school boards and our city councils, in our local Senate district, in our local legislative district, when we're paying attention to the state that we're in, we have reclaimed and regained our political power, the power that was given to us by the founders of this country who said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. The founding documents indicate there's a relationship between the governed and the governors, that the governors, the rulers, the elected officials, get their legitimacy from the consent of we the people. Well, if we the people don't pay attention, they just assume that we are agreeing and that we consent. You know, the box is checked unless we uncheck the box. Well, let's uncheck the box and make these people earn our consent. This is where the whole thing has gone wrong, right? That's funny. This is where the whole thing has gone wrong, right? Wrong, right, right. It's yin-yang. This is where the thing has gone off the rails. We have become disengaged because of the incredible prosperity and safety and peace that America has provided for its citizens since the end of World War II in the, what they call the post-Democrat liberal order. And... What happened was, with all that safety and all that prosperity, we, the American people, quit paying attention. We believe there was a social compact between us, the governed, and our governors, and that we were consenting to their rule because they cared about us. And now we're waking up here in 2023 and we're finding out they don't give a bleep about us. They couldn't care less about us. They're playing a completely different game, and we've become inventory to them, inventory to be exploited. And I'm not going to accept that. I, my I statement, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. I am not accepting a role as inventory. I am not accepting a world in which there is no spiritual world. I'm not going to accept them turning everything into the scientific method and expunging my faith. I'm not going to accept 60% of my fellow citizens having chronic diseases, and I'm going to share, and we'll talk about it. I've had to heal myself of diseases, and I have actually healed myself of one, and I'm well down the road of healing myself of another because we have the power to heal. It's just not taught to us. In fact, we're taught to get sick. I was uh, looking in the uh, newspaper today, 
and I'm going to cover this uh, in a subsequent uh, podcast in more depth and detail, but the headline was, Cancer Rates Are Exploding. Exploding. See how upset I get? When I get upset, I lose my eloquence. I have to, I'm working on that. That's the artistry part, trying to always improve. Like we started with Bruce Lee playing ping pong with nunchucks. Come on. This is incredible. Go watch it again. Artistry. Now, I'm not saying I'm in Bruce Lee's minor leagues. I'm in David Penn's major league. What I'm concerned about is my own artistry. I'm inspired by Bruce Lee. What he did is so supernatural. It's inspiring to see that. Please go watch it again. But what I'm really concerned about is my own artistry, and I notice that when I get upset, I get mumble-mouthed. So thank you for letting me work on it. We're working on our artistry together. It's very important. Artistry is the solution to depravity. Artistry is the antidote to depravity. And we're in a depraved world that needs artistry and art and beauty and training. And that's what we're working on here together. But we, we have this exploding cancer rate. And the article came out today. Well, we don't know why. The, the doctors said, oh, the, 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 the researchers, we don't know why these cancer rates are exploding among the young. You know, cancer usually afflicts people 65 and older. Where are all these young people getting cancer? And, you know, we're supposed to listen to that and go, oh, it's a mystery. Well, it's not a mystery to me, and I hope it's not a mystery to you. We're living in a biological, radiological, and chemical killing zone, which our elites have allowed to be created by a technocracy, a group of companies that either for profit motives or control motives or just being stupid, I, it doesn't really matter why, they're killing us. They're killing us. Our food is full of additives that are carcinogenic. Our air is full of particles that are carcinogenic. We sit in front of digital screens, and we do not move. We do not move emotionally. We do not move intellectually. We do not move physically. And movement is the cornerstone of well-being. We're bathed in radiation, bathed in it every day. We feel bad. We're diminished. We're disempowered. We're atomized. We don't have friends. We don't know who our neighbors are. We don't know who our children are. We don't know who our parents are. We're all alone living in a toxic soup. And the doctors say, we don't know why cancer is exploding. Ah, cancer rates are exploding because we're in a killing zone. And that's why our movement, this American citizens movement, is about restoring the well-being of the American people and the American community. And we can do it when we realize we're being killed. The first step is to take that red pill and understand that what we accept as reality, we've checked that box of consent. Uncheck that box. Do not consent. I do not agree with the rules that allow me to be poisoned. I just don't agree with that. 
We need to get control of our local governance and work our way up from the precinct to the Senate district, to the state, to the nation. And that's where we stop. We have no ambition as American citizens to have a say in what's going on in China. Let the Chinese do their own thing. We don't need to be involved. Our founding fathers cautioned us, and they said, this would be George Washington, beware of foreign entanglements. This whole foreign entanglement thing comes from the idea of empire, the British Empire, which we tried to get divorced from and failed. We're now in an Anglo-American empire. The British sit behind and operate us like marionette dolls. You know, bleep these people. We need to get control of our own self-governance first to be self-governing. Control our own self-governance to whatever extent we can, and we build out from there. And we have the opportunity of gaining supernatural assistance by praying together as a community. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the light and the dark. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating me in your image. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me an American. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me free. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for healing the blind. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for feeding the people. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for releasing the bound. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for raising up the downtrodden. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the heavens and the earth. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for providing for all my needs. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for directing my path. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for our America and our American courage. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for crowning America with glory. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for restoring strength to the weary. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? This is training. We pray because we train through prayer. This is how we connect to the spiritual world. Meditation and prayer, contemplation, study. Very important that I do that. I try to do it. In fact, I just said to myself yesterday, you know, I've gotten so involved in this political, I get up every morning at 5 o'clock. I've been getting up every morning at 5 o'clock for decades. And I used to work out every morning from 5 to 7 a.m. I got two hours in before the day started. Then if I had another workout later in the day, it was a two-a-day. That was a blessed day. But now I get up and I read. I would go over all the news. I, I try to get my, my podcast scripts together. And it just occurred to me, the greatest source of information for my podcast scripts is my time spent in prayer. So this morning, instead of sitting at my table and reading the news and listening to the news and thinking about what I was going to share, I went down into my sanctum, and you have to have a special place. This is another thing. When you start to pray and you start to work out, and I'm sure you're doing it, but let's say you're not, or let's say you are, and you've never really thought it through. You have to have a special place where you do your thing. Place and thing are old concepts. Place and thing. You have to have a special place 
where you do your special thing. So I went downstairs into my special place and I did my thing. And I felt, and I was telling Tanner, remember I walked in telling you I actually feel good today? Yeah. Well, now you know why. Because I, I always act like I'm feeling good, but most of the time I'm horrified because what I see is so horrified. But I, I try to be upbeat in a good mood because my good mood spreads to other people. But inside, I generally do not feel that great because I'm very painfully aware of what's going on. Today I prayed and I'm full of good energy and I shared it with Tanner and I just figured out why. I just figured out why. So thank you for humoring me. Now, there's something I want to uh, share that's very political and uh, people are going to take it as religious. I don't see it as religious. I see it as purely political because religion and politics are actually the same thing. That's why such a great con is being made to tell us that religion and politics are separate. That disempowers us and the secular humanists. The word secular is a con. The humanists, the religion of humanism, which controls all of our institutions, our Hollywood, our media, our institutions of higher learning, our corporations, and our governance, our courts, our law schools. They're all humanists. They're all practicing the religion of humanism. That being the intellect of man is the supreme force in the world, and the intellect of man will shape the biological destiny of man. That's humanism. It is a direct attack on in contradiction to the Judeo-Christian root of our culture, which acknowledges God as the architect of our biology and that God's plans will be fulfilled. So we got man's plans versus God's plans, and there are seven deadly sins, and arrogance is one of them, and this is the arrogance of man's intellect. So if you think about seven deadly sins— and there's seven seals that get broken in the, the approach to like the final battle. And I'm not saying I know it's the final battle. I'm just talking about the metaphor or the poems that underline all of our thinking. We all know that there's an apocalyptic prediction that is in the Islamic tradition, in the Jewish tradition, it's in the Christian tradition. And part of the Christian tradition is the idea that there's seven seals and they they were broken that allowed evil to come into the world. Well, there's seven deadly sins. Is there a relationship between seven deadly sins and seven seals that were broken in our hoary generation, our faithless generation? Human arrogance, pride, that seal has been broken. We believe as human beings that our intellect is supreme in this world. And that, that is a seal that's been broken. So I'm going to read something <clears throat> from the New Testament, and I'm going to comment on it. <clears throat> it's Matthew 10, 34, and, it's, and I love this one. Do not suppose, this is Jesus speaking, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the world. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, 
a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And I'm just bringing this up and commenting on this because I know that those of us that are in the American Citizens Movement have lost friends, we've lost family members, people look at us as extremists, we suffer hatred, I've suffered physical attack, just for believing in the well-being of the American citizens, in believing in a nation state, the United States of America, in, in loving my neighbor as I love myself. I'm attacked for this. So for those of you who have lost a parent or a child because of your political belief or your forming belief in the goodness of America, the goodness of self-governance, this has foretold this separation between faithlessness and the faithful. This is part of the process. There's this continuous pressure on us for unity, to separate religion and politics, to separate our beliefs from our everyday life. And that's a con. If someone in my life wants to reject me for what I believe, I accept their rejection. I'm not going to chase them into hell. I'm going to seek the kingdom of heaven. For those that don't want to or don't understand it, this is America, they are free to seek any outcome to pursue their happiness as they see fit. And if they choose to hate me because I'm a believer and that I'm trying to ensue the two great commandments in my life, in every relationship, in every word that comes out of my mouth, if I'm going to be hated for that, please hate me reject me, scorn me, kill me, if you will. But I will hold to those two great commandments to my last breath. Quibble. We're going to talk about quibble. This is going to be very interesting. Uh, Tanner, can you play this uh, Marine recounting his experience in the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan? About 1730, Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover, friend and mentor. Came to get me from the tower to go help find an Afghan interpreter in the crowd. Marine is crying if you're an audio listener. He's testifying before Congress. He's remembering his experience during the withdrawal from Afghanistan. We found the interpreter and his brother born with American passports. They told us five told us of five family members still in the canal. I stayed there waiting for the family members standing against a two-foot canal wall. Ten minutes passed. <clears throat> Then a flash <clears throat> and a massive wave of pressure. I'm thrown 12 feet onto the ground, but instantly knew what had happened. I opened my eyes 
to Marines dead or unconscious lying around me. He's crying again. Crying again. Can't even look at the camera. Can't look up. He's so torn up by what happened to him. A crowd of hundreds immediately vanished in front of me, and my body was catastrophically wounded with 100 to 150 ball bearings now in it. <clears throat> Almost immediately, we started taking fire from the neighborhood, and I saw how injured I was with my right arm, completely shredded and unusable. I saw my lower abdomen soaked in blood. crawled backwards seven feet, roughly seven feet because I thought I was still in harm's way. My body was overwhelmed from the trauma of the blast. My abdomen had been ripped open. Every inch of my exposed body, except for my face, took ball bearings and shrapnel. <clears throat> I tried to get up but could not. Laying there for a few minutes, I started to lose consciousness. When I heard Chaz, my team leader, screaming my name as he ran to me, his voice... <clears throat> His voice calling to me kept me awake. Again, he's struggling to speak. He's asking for tissue to wipe the tears out of his eyes. This man's obviously suffering from PTSD. When he got to me, he dragged me to safety and immediately started triaging me, tying tourniquets on my limbs and doing anything he could to stop the bleeding and start plugging wounds with the help of the other Marines. I was awake through most of it, screaming, moaning, and cursing. Please ask, uh, <clears throat> I ask you to please ask me about getting shot at the tower in Abbey Gate and how no one wanted my report post-blast. Even NCIS and the FBI failed to interview me. Ask me to elaborate on my ordeal post-blast and ask me about this one little girl and her family that I reunited. Our military members and veterans deserve our best because that is what we give to America. The withdrawal, <clears throat> the withdrawal was a catastrophe in my opinion, and there was an ex inexcusable lack of accountability and negligence. The 11 Marines, one sailor, <clears throat> and one soldier that were murdered that day have not been answered for. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak. Ooh, even watching that is painful for me. Uh, we're in the American Citizens Movement. We're cons concerned with the well-being of every single American citizen. Taking 100 to 150 ball bearings is the opposite of well-being. The fact that this man lived is a miracle. So this is this dramatic and heart-rendering testimony about the deaths of 13 service members as the Biden administration withdrew our service people out of Afghanistan. We all remember it. Terrifying, horrifying, you know, just crazy. It's, it's crazy-making. Now, let's see what the current spokesperson of the U.S. Department of State, Matthew Miller, born in 1973, a young kid, uh, actually had to say about this when asked about it. Could you play this uh, piece here uh, with Mr. Miller? 
our families, and then one on Taiwan, please, if I may. Um, you know, I think these families feel at the very least they deserve some sort of an apology. Do you think that state can admit that some mistakes were made during this withdrawal? So I will just say, as I said before, we express our deepest sympathy um, to the families. And I can't imagine the situation that they are in. Um, I would never quibble um, with any position that they take. Um, we, of course, the, the administration made policy choices that we believe in. Um, uh, we executed those policy choices. We recently released an after action report that details uh, uh, in, or that, sh that runs through in great detail uh, things that the State Department could have done better. Uh, the Secretary endorsed the conclusions of that report. I would commend it to you for a, a very detailed read about what we could have done better at the time. But we stand by the underlying policy choice to end the 20-year the war in Afghanistan. Uh, Mr. Miller is almost certainly the graduate of one of our elite institutions. He's a full-time government employee. I'm just bringing this up because when I heard him use the word quibble within the context of the suffering of these valiant young men and women, quibble. If you don't know what a quibble is or what that means, it means a slight objection or criticism about a trivial matter. Let's try this again. He said, I wouldn't quibble with these families. Let me give you the definition again of what quibble means. To quibble is to make a slight objection or criticism about a trivial matter. He could have chosen any one of the millions of words that we have in the lexicon, he chose the word quibble. Now, those of you who are going to, and I get detractors come all the time and email me and say, oh, you're really picking on people. Uh, you know, yes, he might have just been dumb. Could have been dumb. But what if that word quibble, that the death of those people, those and that horrifying injury that young man suffered, is to this Matthew Miller and to the government he represents a trivial matter. A trivial matter? The well-being of our service people and the well-being of every single American citizen is the only reason these people have a job. The only thing they're supposed to do, in my opinion, is provide for my well-being make policies that enhance my well-being, make policies that make my children have more well-being, make policies that make my parents have more well-being. My father's past, God rest his soul, my mother. Where are these people? What kind of power trip are they on? We have a, a citizen who was a citizen soldier who suf is suffering, still suffering, crying before the Congress at the horrors he endured. And then we have a pusillanimous bleep standing in front of the American people and saying he's not going to argue with anybody about a trivial matter. Right there, in that juxtaposition, is everything I need to know about my government. And that's why I wanted to share it with you. And I want to thank you for watching it. And I hope you uh, get the same feeling I did. In the meantime, we're not learning anything. Uh, we're just continuing along here as the Ukrainian army kind of folds up because there's 
no more Ukrainian young men to kill because, of course, hey, if you're willing to kill Americans like this, hey, throwing up Ukrainians into the, into the fire, hey, that's no big deal. And they've been dying wholesale for months and months and months. And there aren't that many more Ukrainian young men left. And part of the Russian-Ukrainian front, the Ukrainian front is collapsing. The Ukrainians seem to be making a little progress here and there. But overall, it's getting real grim for them. So what does the Biden administration do? They immediately make an emergency, an appeal for an emergency uh, uh, expenditure. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken on Tuesday of this week called for Congress to approve President Biden's request for an additional $24 billion in spending right away. The White House formally made the request to Congress last week. If approved, it will bring total U.S. spending on the war to $137 billion. I urge Congress to pass this legislative funding, the supplemental funding, excuse me, right away, Blinken told reporters. Well, guess what? Supplemental funding is not limited by the debt ceiling deal. Hey, Congressman Emmer, nice scam. Beautiful scam. I said it at the time. Supplemental funding is not excluded. So the greatest budget cut, and for these bleeps in Minneapolis who approached me and criticized me for telling the truth, hey, up yours. If we don't have truth, we'll have no justice. And if we don't have any justice, we're not going to have any peace. And it's just that simple. We've been living a lie. In the last podcast, we talked about the first great lie of the modern era. Dropping those bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were not militarily necessary. It was done to test those weapons and to assert and establish America's superiority from a scientific military perspective. Okay, that's the cornerstone of BS. And it goes right up to Congressman Emmer lying to the American people. Now, I got a lot of people in Minnesota, in the Republican Party, on me about criticizing Republicans. And I'm going to say this again. If you're a globalist, I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, white, black, red, or green. I'm on you because you do not care about me. That's why you're a globalist. You only care about yourself. You think you're in the in crowd turning me into inventory. And this I reject. I do not consent. I do not offer my consent to a rebranding of we hold one race superior and another inferior. This is just a rebranding of this in the globalists that run the show and everybody else who's inventory. You know, you made us stupid. We're not genetically stupid. You've created policies that make us stupid, make us sick, make us poor, so that you can rule over us and extract things out of us. This has to change. I'm an American citizen. I demand to be treated with respect. I demand that my well-being is your only concern. I demand that my prosperity matters to you, my rulers. And you know how we handle this? Well, we handle this by getting involved. This is a political movement. We are a populist movement. Bobby Kennedy came out yesterday and said, hey, yeah, I'm a populist. Whoa, heads blew off over that. Because you know what these people Fear more than anything else. Listen to how Mika Brzezinski and Morning Joe and all these talking heads talk about populism as if it's a disease that the people might actually self-govern. Oh, you mean the scam's over? You mean you can't con us anymore, Morning Joe? Mika, 
We're actually going to stand up and stand right with you. And instead of you being the boss, you can take your place in line with everybody else. You're an American citizen. We don't want to hurt you. We're just going to disempower you. And how do we do it? Not by hurling ourselves at the establishment. We do it by going into the neighborhoods and letting the American people know we're here. So this crowdsourcing strategy, let's call this transformational change. Remember Obama, you know, transformational change? Well, hey, right back at you. Transformational change. Let us take five minutes and talk about Minnesota. Just five minutes. And why are we talking about Minnesota? Because it's the same but a little different in every state. So if you're watching me and you're in Kansas or you're watching me and you're in Oregon, it's the same everywhere, just a little different because the rules are a little different in every state. Let's talk about Minnesota. As if we're in Oregon, as if we're in Kansas. Minnesota has a caucus system. If you're watching me, and please, if you're watching me in Minnesota particularly, or any place in the country, spread out the podcast because people don't know how this game works. There's a game here. Self-governance involves the American people. When we give up and we just consent, the bleepers take over and they do whatever to they do whatever they want to do because they're dependent on us. They depend on see there I go, getting mad. You know, it's almost like you should put some kind of electrical device on me. And when you see me get mad, shock me so I wake up. When I get mad, my tongue departs. Let me reform uh, myself. Let me, let me recreate. They depend on me not to participate. They depend on me not to be educated. They depend on me to have trivial pursuits so that they can rule over me and take advantage of me. Well, guess what? That is coming to an end. When Bobby Kennedy stands up and said, says, I am a populist, when you and I stand up and say, we are a populist movement, we are a movement of the people, informed by our Constitution, loving our God, our country, and our family, these people are going to run for the hills because their domination of the American people, which has really gone on since World War I, is coming to an end. We need to end the British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. We have to completely overthrow it. We have to understand there's globalists and nationalists. And that's in every state and in every state party, in every Senate district, and in every community. So in Minnesota, if you're hearing this and you send this out, we need more people to understand we have a caucus system. On February 27th of 2024, at your local high school or your local community center, your precinct, your neighborhood will come together in a room and your neighbors will elect delegates to the next Republican Party Senate District Convention, which will be held several months later. When you go with your neighbors and elect each other as delegates, you will have a stake in the game. This will allow you to go to that Republican Party convention, and your vote will count. 
That's where you'll go to support the candidate of your choice for your local legislature, for state senate, excuse me, for national senate. You'll be asked to have a straw poll who you support for the presidential election. Your vote will count. Your will will be felt. You'll be part of self-governance. So it is very important that we get out into our local neighborhoods. I walk my neighborhood. I'm shaking everybody's hands. Very soon I'm going to invite everybody for a barbecue. I don't tell them I'm Republicans. Most of them are Democrats. They don't even know that doesn't matter, Republican and Democrat. They're, most of them don't understand it's globalists and nationalists. we got to talk to people. We have to upgrade the dialogue so people can escape the con. Right now, we're all marks. When we understand that the globalists are us to fight as Democrats and Republicans, like Shias and Sunnis, like the North and the South, like men and women, any fight that ties us up and drains our energy so that we don't see that there's a globalist cabal that is seeking complete and total domination of the world under the guise of climate change, under the guise of social equity, and under the guise of democracy, which is their three scams. If we don't get this to the American people, we lose our freedom. So in Minnesota, spread the word. Let's bring our neighbors to the February 27th caucus. Let's elect our neighbors as delegates. Let us go to the Republican Party convention in our Senate district, which will be also at the local high school. Let us involve ourselves in self-governance. First of all, it's a well-being experience. Helplessness is the opposite of well-being. And for those of us who are not playing in the game, we're helpless. We've checked the box of consent, and whatever happens, so be it. Well, what they have in mind for me is my complete and other domination, my complete and... Eh, shock me, would you? I get mad I can't talk. Isn't that funny? What these rulers have in mind for Professor Penn is my complete and utter subjugation to the slavery, drugs, and piracy business model. Mm-mm. I joined the party. I'm a delegate. I got a stake in the game. I got a seat at the table. And up yours, I don't care who you are. If you're a globalist, I'm calling you out. So let me call one out right now. Let's just play a couple minutes of Patty Acomb, who is the state representative in my area, 45B in Minnesota. Let's just look at her for a minute or two. Oh, how we long for the kind of Minnesota spring that recharges the spirit. But this time around, we're faced with the pandemic, risky politics, a failing economy, and global warming. Patty Acom co-chairs the Climate Change Action Caucus in the Minnesota House. We're here to share our package of proposals for climate actions that we can take on this session. Or There's a lot of action needed. Patty and other Minnesotans are well aware of this. But farmers are also saying something else. They're saying, we want to be a part of the solution. Electric buses are already on the roads in many of our cities, but the funding in the bill would help clean up our air. And we are nearing the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, but we're not even close to environmental justice at all. 
the Minnesota Climate Action Caucus is headed by Representative Patty Acom. Welcome to Democratic Visions. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. How long has this been a, a caucus? Okay, that's enough. I'm already tired of this woman, and she's just going to meander on. Now, I don't know if Patty Acom is evil or stupid. She's one or the other. She's either evil or stupid. She may believe the drivel that's going to come out of her mouth. She's going to talk about how the world's coming to an end. She's part of the long con. She's a graduate of the University of Minnesota, which I'm very familiar with. My dad taught there for 50 years. That's a factory of turning out dummies. In fact, my father tried to turn out smart people. And you know what they did to my dad? And I've said this before. My dad actually believed in critical thinking. You know, he was a lefty, but he believed in critical thinking. And I think he would be proud of me if he was alive today because he would see himself in me. He probably wouldn't like my politics, but I'd like to harbor the, the, the belief that he was an independent thinker and he would start to see what a scam this was. He taught there for 50 years, and I'm telling you, I, I cannot express to you how stupid I think these people are. They're part of a cult. Now, they think I'm part of a cult. They think, oh, well, you know, Professor Penn, you believe in God. You're an idiot. Yeah, okay, great. You're part of a long line of idiots that go back to 1880, and you're just similarly enculturated in a cult. So we got two cults at war, the humanists versus the Judeo-Christians. It's a throwdown. It's a throwdown. And what the humanists are saying is the Judeo-Christian belief is going to end the world. The world, the, the end of the world is near. You heard in that little, that little piece. Now, I went to the Minnesota Climate Action Caucus that Patty Acomb is the, the big dog on. She's my representative here in 45B. And Patty, I hope you get this. I hope somebody sends it to you because I'm asking you to come on the channel and let's start a series of debates. Let's get together and talk every month in front of the American people, in front of the citizens of 45B, who you represent. Oh, you're so beautiful and so nice and so friendly and so smiley, and the words that are coming out of your mouth equal death. And I think you either know it and you're evil or you're stupid, and I'd like to help you get smarter. And I know that's mean, but you think I'm stupid because I'm going to say right now, I go right to your uh, website, and the first thing, across the top it says, the scientific evidence for climate change is indisputable. Really? What kind of science is indisputable? What kind of science is indisputable? Science is dispute. You know, when you start saying that the science is indisputable, hey, you're a cultist. Because science is always changing. You know, science has been around a long time. And if you stay around long enough, it changes all the time. There's virtually nothing that's indisputable. And I just want to share with you how disputable it is, Representative Acomb. And that would be because, and we've talked about this, we have a gentleman named John F. Clauser. He just won the Nobel Prize in physics. Kind of a smart guy, right? I mean, I'm going to say he's smarter than me. 
Representative Acomb, would a Nobel Prize winner in physics be smarter than you? I mean, really, maybe you think he's a dummy, but guess what he said? Nobel Physics Laureate Dr. John Clauser slammed the climate emergency narrative as a dangerous corruption of science that threatens the world's economy and the well-being of billions of people. So when I go to the Minnesota State Legislature's Climate Caucus and I read the first sentence on their website, the scientific evidence for climate change is indisputable, right off the bat, I know we have a big disagreement between the Nobel Prize winner and our elected officials. Now, Patty Acomb brags that she's been in governance for decades. She grew up in the area, she served on the Minnetonka City Council, and she's now matriculated into our state legislature. And her husband, Craig, worked for Minnesota government for 15 years and then followed that up with six years working for an allied nonprofit. So he has 21 years of his life tied up in state government activities. Representative Acomb is a professional politician. These people make their money from the business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. Now, they may not understand it. And, you know, I, I kind of suspect they don't because it's very easy to get caught up when you're on the payroll with the ideals and goals and strategies of the paymaster because there's a paymaster. She's getting a paycheck every month from the government. Her husband got a paycheck every month from the government. They're on the payroll, the payroll. They don't have independent thinking like Professor Penn. I'm not getting any money from the government. In fact, the only time the government shows up is they're taking my money. So that kind of makes me an independent thinker. And I would like to ask you, Representative Acomb, to start to meet with me on camera because you might have a lot of information, and I'm sure you do have a lot of information that I need to be confronted with, and I'm willing to get the bleep kicked out of me on many different debates because what I'm going to do between the debates is I'm going to go take what you put out as information and I'm going to research it. And what I'm going to find out is there's two sides to this football, that whatever you're going to bring forward, there's going to be, and it's also sad. And then eventually we're going to get down to it. Do you believe in God? And you're going to probably say, well, I don't I have no idea what you're going to say. But let's say you say yes. Well, if the answer is yes, then why are all the policies that the Climate Caucus is proposing diminishing faith in God? Like, I'm not supposed to eat meat because, you know, the cows, they're farting and it's putting out greenhouse gases and that's screwing up the environment. So they have their principles and they all sound great. They all sound great. All the principles are great. And to all the Republicans who have been waiting for me to start working on the Democrats, well, here we go. We're going to start working on the Democrats now because they're not Democrats. They're globalists. Representative Acomb and the Minnesota Climate Caucus are pitching the same thing the World Economic Forum is pitching. Exactly the same thing. Climate catastrophe, social equity, and democracy. That's what these people are pitching. I mean, they even say 
in their prolific text. Listen to this one. Listen to this one. They've weaved this into the climate crisis narrative. Address social inequities without targeted action, which would mean giving people money. Climate change will make existing inequalities worse. Actions must focus on mitigating the increased vulnerability. Actions must focus on mitigating the increased vulnerability disadvantaged communities face from a changing climate and ensure all communities benefit equitably in the transition to a clean economy. Let me unpack that for you. What this means is they're going to make everybody poor, okay? Their goal, they have a very clear goal about what they're trying to accomplish. Their goal is a 45% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 to achieve a carbon-free future by 2050. And we've got a Nobel Prize laureate in physics, no less, not in poetry, and not a poet, he's a physicist, who's saying this is a con. Now, why would they be conning us into going carbon-free? Because doesn't that sound great, carbon-free? It's a cover-up for what we would call deindustrialization, because the only way to achieve a carbon-free future is to deindustrialize. And what does that mean? That means that David Penn, American citizen, is poor. Poor, poor, poor. No car, no single-family dwelling, no consumer goods, no meat, no natural foods, no land ownership. All these things are being identified as contributing to the end of the world. Now, who's going to get the the goods, the the good the goodies out of this? That'd be the Patty Acombs of the world. She she's thrown in with this because you know she's working for the government. She's going to have her car. She's important. She's going to go to any party she wants to because she's important. She's going to be able to travel and get on planes, have a car, whatever she wants. Her life's going on un changed, unchanged. And I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but let's say she has an electronic vehicle and she's going home and she's plugging it in. Where's that energy coming from? Where is that energy coming from? What a scam. They're still built burning fossil fuels to power that electricity. The whole thing is a joke. It's just meant to make everyone poor. Without targeted action, the target is me, taking all my things away, climate change will make existing inequalities worse. That means we're going to take from people who have and give to people who do not have. That's called communism, right? Actions must focus on mitigating the increased vulnerability disadvantaged communities face from a changing climate. What? What? You mean you're going to take their job opportunities aware? Ugh. You mean you plan to take their job opportunities away such that my wealth must be taxed away, the little wealth that I have? Because let us remember, Professor Penn is not a wealthy man. So the little I have, you want to take it away and give it to other people because you've precluded any chance that they're ever going to be upwardly, upwardly mobile because we're deindustrializing? 
We're eliminating all the opportunities for people to improve their economic status in the name of climate change, of course. She's saying we must ensure all communities benefit equitably, which is the same as communistically, in the transition to a clean economy, which is the transition to no economy. They're deindustrializing Minnesota. They're deindustrializing 45B. Let us not think about the whole world. Because, see, that's the scam, right? The scam is climate change is such a big problem that no one country can solve it. We have to have global governance. We've got to aggregate power at the highest possible global United Nations level. Get it out of the neighborhoods. Get it away from the patriots that might want to work for the well-being of their neighbors. And not screw those people. We're going to get it up to a bunch of technocrats who are going to preside over a godless world and distribute resources in a way that protects the planet from humanity. Isn't that wonderful? They love the earth so much, they hate people. Do you want to live in a world where you have no car? Tanner, would you want to live in a world without a car? <clears throat> Go ahead, know, get down, you're 23. Yeah, honestly, yes, but um, if it's still the exact functioning that we are living in right now, absolutely not, because I would not be able to function anything. But if I were to live on like a little neighborhood and I was tight with all my neighbors and I didn't need to drive anywhere, I would actually prefer that. That would just, it would be nice to just walk everywhere, but that's not really the world we live in. So, you know, this is an interesting conversation because what you're saying is if we went back to a pre-industrial, not a post-industrial, pre-industrial kind of economy where people were much more humble, they grew their own food their life was close by. They were living in, with, in harmony with nature, yeah. right? And they were self-governing. Yep, that's exactly what I'm okay, talking about. Okay, they don't want that, right? Yeah. What they want you to do is have a 15-minute city, and they're going to provide the food, and they're going to provide the energy, yeah. and they're going to provide the currency. See? So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. I think I know where you're coming from. Are we yeah. communicating? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I agree. I don't want the 15-minute cities because, like, I can see where that's a slippery slope. But I, I do also see, like, oh, man, it would just be nice if I lived in a nice little colony with, like, my neighbors and a, a nice family and everything. And I could just walk where I need to be. I don't know. That's just my... Well, I, I think I get where you're coming from. It's kind of a, a, a utopian dream in a way. Yeah. And they're actually using that utopian dream to sell servitude. So let's just... This is a very good conversation. I mean, I'm getting a lot out of this. I'm realizing that they're selling utopia and what they're going to deliver is subjugation. I would like to deliver utopia. I think that's a much more well-being kind of a formation of political economy. I agree with you. But let's not get there and find out we're prisoners. Let's do it to set ourselves free of the business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. What these people are doing is they're using that idea and taking your generation and dangling utopia out there as a place you want to get to. And when you get there, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find slavery. That's what the game is here. That's what we're talking about. I'm not denying that there's a climate issue. I'm saying the solution is self-governance. What they're saying is, is we're too stupid to self-govern and they're going to have to govern us because we're animals. No, not true. I reject it. I do not consent. So for all my Republican 
cohorts who have been criticizing me for being so hard on Representative Emmer, who lies the way a duck takes the water. Uh, okay, fine. We're not going to get off of him. He's a globalist. We're just going to add in the rest of these globalists that tell lies like climate science is completely settled. It's not. Nobel Prize winning physicists are questioning the science. So let us not close the book on these issues. You know, here's another one. I mean, my entire life, my entire life, since I've been young, since Dr. Milton Hurwitz, God rest him, who was a great physician, he was LBJ's physician, and that would be Lyndon Baines Johnson, the Dark Prince, who was held up to me as an example. He was a cardiologist, a great cardiologist. And I knew him and I prayed with him and he was wonderful and I loved him. And he was a he was a, a leader of the community. And my father said, one day you're going to be just like, you're going to be the next Dr. Hurwitz. And the business model that Dr. Hurwitz was selling was that cholesterol and fat caused arteriosclerosis. So there was all these drugs that they sold that, you know, he prescribed that reduced cholesterol. And everybody thought, well, that's settled. Well, heart attacks barely declined. Heart disease continued. And then along the way, they figured out it wasn't just cholesterol. There's something called C-reactive protein. It has something to do with inflammation. Oh, science evolved. So what was settled science for decades, because there was money in it, right? Somebody said, wait a second. There's another model that might work here. Because science provides a metaphor about how the world works. It's seeking truth. It can't get to truth. Truth is supernatural. But in the natural way, in the natural world, we try to get as close as we can, and science is always proposing new models. So when politicians come along and say, oh, this is settled, hey, you know right away there, when the first sentence on Patty Acomb's website is, the scientific evidence for climate change is indisputable, oh, these people are grifters. Patty, would you come on and explain to me, could we get together and film it? Because we want to have a record, right? If you really have these beliefs, film it. Come on with me. Those of you who are listening there in Minnesota, set it up. I know she knows more about climate change than I do. Let her kick me around like a kickball. But the next time when we get together the second time, I'll know what she's thinking and I'll be ready for it. Are you brave enough for that, Representative Acomb? Are you brave enough to come into the community and defend your beliefs and your policies so that we, the American people, can consent? Or are we just supposed to be subjected to your rule? That's my question. You seem like such a nice woman. Please prove it to me. Please prove it to me. And you know, it won't matter if you want to or not, because eventually I'm just going to go into a town hall Put a dummy up with your name on it. And if you're not there to defend yourself, I'm just going to talk to the dummy. So be a, a living person. Yes, I'm very aggressive about it because your policies are very aggressive and they're based on a lie. They're based on a lie. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't many things we can do as a community together, Democrats and Republicans. And let's leave that out because that's a needless description that we, the American people, can come together to make our lives more well-being, I think you're interested in human well-being. Let's get a little bit more refined 
through conflict and through discussion and dialogue about how we can enhance the well-being of the people that live here in Minnesota. If you believe in human well-being, hey, I'm with you. Let's get together and let's talk about it. Well, this thing is, is everywhere. Let's, let's play this little piece here. I call it bunker fuel. Play this piece on bunker fuel. This is really interesting. At any given moment, tens of thousands of giant cargo ships are moving around the world's oceans. These ships, some of which are more than a quarter of a mile long, are the heavy lifters of the global economy, shifting everything from metal ores and compressed gas to fresh fruit and plastic toys. This interactive map shows the movements of the world's commercial shipping fleet in 2012, based on hundreds of millions of individually recorded positions. Plotting all the raw positions at once shows the extraordinary extent of modern shipping's reach. Even without a background map, the world's coastlines are clearly defined, albeit with plenty of variation. From the buzz of activity in the East China Sea, to the relative quiet of Somalia's piracy-afflicted waters. While ships can move freely through the open ocean, routes are predetermined closer to land, and especially in tight straits such as the dual carriageway of the English Channel. The most crucial shipping thoroughfares of all, though, are the man-made canals linking different bodies of water, such as the Panama Canal, opened a century ago to connect the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, and the even older and busier Suez Canal, which saw 17,000 transits in 2012 alone. In some places, ships penetrate deep into continents via rivers and lakes, such as the massive Paraguay and Amazon rivers in South America, or the Great Lakes in North America, whose ports include Chicago, Milwaukee and Toronto. Colouring the ships by category shows the flows of the global economy in more detail. The red dots are the tankers, which shunt oil from massive terminals in the Middle East or from offshore rigs in West Africa and elsewhere. While the blue dots are so-called dry bulk ships, which move aggregates, ores and coal from mines and quarries, many of them found in Australia and Latin America. Many of these raw materials are shipped to manufacturing regions to make finished goods that are themselves then moved back across the ocean in container ships, shown here in yellow. China is the center of the shipping container world. Shanghai alone moved 33 million units in 2012. While all of this shipping makes modern life as we know it possible, there is a downside. Moving billions of tons of ships and cargo relies on burning massive quantities of bunker fuel. The result is a huge amount of carbon dioxide or CO2, the main driver of global warming. Commercial ships produce more than a million tons of CO2 every day, more than the whole of the UK or Canada or Brazil. Click around the map to explore the data for yourself or click the info sign for more information about how it was made. It's incredible, isn't it? Just incredible. Look what humanity has created. Look at that connectivity, that global economy. It's, it's really magnificent. And what they're setting up there is that bunker fuel is very polluting if you're into this greenhouse gas mindset. So that was 2012. Well, here we are, 2023, and what the global community is going to do is going to convert these ships away from bunker fuel and clean them up so that they're not so polluting. And guess what's going to happen? Inflation. Inflation. There's monetary inflation, but this conversion to this carbon-free world that Petty Acom is proposing and passing legislation to bring into reality is going to inflate the cost 
of everything that you consume dramatically. Now, we haven't even got to the real inflation yet. This decarbonization, this in, this transition to a carbon-free world that our leaders have agreed upon without our consent, we weren't in the room. We weren't paying attention. We were out driving our cars around, going to the movies, and then going down to the big box store and buying all kinds of consumer goods and having a good old time with our families. Well, we were living our lives believing that our leaders cared about us. They were telling us the world was going to end unless we decarbonized. And they started teaching kindergartners, first graders, second graders, third graders, fourth graders. I'm sure Tanner's education all the way through talked about these issues, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's all a scam. Did you ever think of that? No. Well, start. <laughs> start to think that you're in a long con. No, I kind of knew it was a scam once <clears throat> they pushed the straws thing, and they were saying that this is what's going to help global warming when, yeah, the bunker fuel, like how many ships are burning, and they're going to tell me that I can't use a straw. That's when I was like, okay, something's That's brainwashing, off. Yeah, right? something's off about That's this. That's like wearing a mask. See, a mask is part of a uniform, like wearing a swastika. Hey, we don't use straws here. I mean, this is all part of social engineering. We're being socially engineered to give up our prosperity, to give up our freedom, and to give up our mobility. Why would we do that? Oh, to save the earth. Well, let me just say, Representative Acom, you may not know this, but it might be because they want us to give up our freedom. They might want to create us as inventory such that we can no longer self-govern. Because, you know, self-governing people are kind of a pain in the ass, right? You got to deal with it. You might not get reelected, Representative Acomb. So you just go ahead and terrify all the young people in 45B that you're the person that's going to save the planet. And because they've gone to school and every unionized teacher since they've been in kindergarten has been spouting the same thing, that's why I say the humanists control all the institutions of our country, all the institutions of power. They even control our churches. So we have a lot of work to do. If we believe in God and country and family, and we're willing to think critically, and we're willing to search for truth, I am not saying we don't have climate issues. I'm saying we solve the issues by increasing self-governance, not by decreasing self-governance and erecting a ruling class of technocrats that tell me how to live my life. We, the people, must consent. I would rather die from a tornado than from a tyrant. Did you hear me, Representative Acomb? Because I noticed you were talking about tornadoes in December as if it was unprecedented. Well, I remember it happening in the past because I'm 64 years old. It's not the first time we've had tornadoes at strange times of the year, okay? Not the first time. And I want to say one other thing for those of us in Minnesota who live in Minnesota, in the land of 10,000 lakes, with no earthquake problems, far from the ocean. You know, this place was called Frostbite Falls not that long ago. Let's say things are warming up. It's not affecting life in Minnesota. It's not affecting my life in 45B. I don't live on the ocean. I live in Minnesota. So, you know, let's talk about what makes life better for Minnesotans. Why 
are our local elected representatives involved in an international architecture that goes from the World Economic Forum to the United Nations to every institution of power in the country, and everybody's in lockstep with the same idea. But there's one Nobel Prize-winning physics laureate who's blowing the whistle and saying, wait a second, this is not correct. And guess what? He's not the only one. He's the only Nobel Prize-winning physicist. But if you go out and start looking around, there are thousands of PhDs that are saying we're being conned. Thousands of scientists who look at the data and say, hey, this data, this research, it's no good. These numbers are fudged. They're scams. They're cons. Let's, you know, if you go to Wikipedia and you put this in, you're going to have to scroll down a long way to find a single dissenting voice. That would be called control. Wikipedia, Google, they control the information. Let's follow the money just a little bit. Can you play Dr. Jane Goodell? She's very famous on reducing the population of the earth. To stop land being used for cattle and growing grain for the billions of animals that we keep in our intensive farms. And then finally, we cannot, we cannot hide away from human population growth because you know, it underlies so many of the other problems. All these things we talk about wouldn't be a problem if there, were, if there was the size of population that there was 500 years ago. Oh, isn't that great? Isn't that great, Dr. Goodell? You know, she's got the same utopian vision kind of in a way that you do, but she's a little bit more honest about it. She's saying we wouldn't have any of today's problems if the population was reduced by 95%. I wonder if you're going to make the cut. I, I'd like to make it clear that I more meant I'm somebody who, like, I would be okay if computers were never invented. Like, I'm talking before. So is everything. she. She'd be okay if you were never invented, okay? <laughs> because what she's talking about here is reducing the population of the earth by 95%. And she's not the only one. She's obviously in the club, right? This is the Patty Acomb Club. This is the Population Reduction Club. We can't shy away from the human population problem. Well, you know, we wouldn't have any of these problems if the world was, oh, I don't know, 95% less humans. Go look up the Georgia Guidestones. It says right on one of the stones, the population of the earth should not exceed 500 million people. Well, that means 7 billion people got to get clipped out. Now, here's how these people think about it. Survival of the fittest. They're Darwinists. They're anti-Christ Darwinists. They used to just be racists. They've taken it up a notch. Now they figure, hey, black, white, or red, if you can get through this gauntlet, you're in the club. And if you don't make it, hey, tough shit. Bleep that one out. <laughs> Sorry, these people make me really mad. You know, here's a very revered scientist, spent her life working with the apes, Got the beautiful white hair. She's so soft-spoken, so gentle, kind of like Patty Acom. Very soft-spoken and gentle. And what she's talking about is killing 95% of the people on the planet in front of a group, the World Economic Forum, that actually is the beneficiary and the recipient and the linear 
expression of the 1880s concept of Malthus, Darwin, Spencer, and Galton, all on the payroll of the British crown, that came up with a scientific model that generated an explanation and a, a um, well, they, they came up with a way to say that slavery, drugs, and piracy was okay because there's survival of the fittest, there's not enough resources, there's a competition to survive, and hey, if I'm strong enough to make you my slave, that's just okay. And they came up with a whole science to justify their business model. And it, we're living in it right now today. Here's a beautiful scientist, kind, gentle, and she's talking about we wouldn't have any problems if population was reduced by 95%. Come on, how can you even say something like that? That the, the idea is not reducing population by 95% to solve our problems. The, the solution is self-governance and unleashing the creativity of the humanity of human people, of humanity, to come up with a new way of organizing the world. The problem is the business model. The problem is not humanity. The problem is not, let me say it another way. The problem is kind of humanity, all the people that don't believe in God. That's the problem. Is that clear enough for my listeners and viewers? The problem is the people that want to kill me. That's the problem. It's the people that have me living in an environmental nightmare. You know, Patty Acomb's worried about, you know, climate change. I'm worried about the poisons they're putting in my water that are exploding, exploding cancer rates throughout the world. I'm worried about that kind of pollution. Let's, let's talk about, let's solve the problems that's killing me today. Let's work on our self-governance. And I'll say again, I'd rather be killed by a tornado than killed by a tyrant. Let's get that on a T-shirt, Mr. Scott. I'd rather, you know, a big tornado on the front and on the back, I'd rather be killed by a tornado than a tyrant. And I mean that. I mean that. Let Mother Nature take me out. Not somebody dressed like uh, back the blue. Well, let's talk about this centralization of governance that's associated with this whole scam. Let's play this piece uh, centraliz uh, with David Icke, Centralization of Governance. It's about three minutes long. I've been warning people in my books and in every other way I can that this world is controlled by a global network. I call it the cult. So what have I said in this 30 years? that this cult wants. The goal of this manipulation, and has been for a very long time, is to get the world population to see as a good idea or the only option in given circumstances, circumstances that are manipulated into place, the creation of a one world government, a world central bank which would administer all financial transactions on the planet, a world currency which wouldn't be coins and notes, it would be merely electronic, cashless society for which there are fundamental implications for freedom. Something else I've been saying for decades is the blueprint for the global Orwellian fascist society, the technocracy, is China. Unlike in the West, where until now, no longer, they've had to pay lip service to freedom and democracy and all that stuff. In China, what we want, we're bloody doing. And so they've been able to create and incubate the very society that this cult wants globally. This is how it works in China. They have millions 
of face recognition cameras in their cities. And so as you're walking down the street, you are able to be tracked and identified literally in minutes. You are so tracked in detail in China that they know everything you do all the time. And AI is logging your behavior. And they have something called the social credit system. When you act in ways that are acceptable to the state, you get credits. When you act in ways that the state doesn't want you to behave, you get credits taken away. And when you fall below a certain level, consequences kick in. There are millions and millions of people in China who through not behaving as the government wants are now banned from flying or banned from even going on a train. And this is what is planned. It's total and utter control. The Chinese structure of society and its authoritarian imposition and AI minute by minute real-time tracking of the population, that is exactly what I've been describing is planned for the world for 30 years. The World Economic Forum has been um, involved in China since 1979 uh, and we have been part of um, the development of this country now for nearly 30 years. I uh, respect uh, China's achievements which are tremendous over the last uh, over 40 years. I think it's um, a role model for many countries. The Chinese model is certainly a very attractive model for quite a number of countries. That was Klaus Schwab. He's the leader of the World Economic Forum. That's where Jane Goodell was speaking. This is the uh, coordination from the very top, the World Economic Forum, allied with the United Nations, allied with the governments, the universities, the entertainment, the media, all the way down to Patty Acomb here in 45B. They're all in what's called lockstep with the same three ideas of climate catastrophe, social equity, and democracy. Democracy really meaning a woman's right to choose. And they have a real hold on the young people because, of course, all the teachers that taught our children uh, were really, from my perspective, brainwashed by this ideology. And, you know, look what's going on in China. Uh, you know, is that an attractive model for, uh, is that an attractive model for young people? No. Okay, great. Because guess what? It's here. That's what the Professor Penn podcast is all about. That's what we're doing here. We're fighting this. We're fighting this together. And I probably it's the first time I've ever had a chance to really tell you what I'm doing. That's what we're doing. We're fighting this. And how we fight it is self-governance. We seek self-governance and we seek to wake up each other, ourselves first, and then our friends and neighbors. And occasionally, very occasionally so far, it hasn't spread very much yet, occasionally some of our elected representatives get it. Now, of course, they're going to be branded as being crazies, whack jobs, and tremendous money is going to go into getting rid of them in the next election cycle. Let's play Ron Johnson, one minute, senator from Wisconsin, and listen to what he's saying. It's, it's incredible. I was blown away by, the, by this clip. They don't want to admit they were wrong, and they're going to do everything right. they can to make sure that they're not proven wrong. 
We're, well, we're up against people... a very powerful group of people here, Maria. But you know, fortunately, you say, what can we do? Well, you know, we do have reporters like yourself, like John Solomon, other people that have the, the courage to report the truth against the mainstream media and against the narrative. But that's the only way this is going to be solved, is we need the truth to be exposed. We need more Americans to listen to the truth, to be exposed to the truth, to pull their heads out of the sand, quite honestly, open up their eyes and understand what is happening in this country. We are going down a very dangerous path, but as a path is being laid out and planned by an elite group of people that want to take total control over our lives. And that's what they're doing bit by bit. They do it by increasing mass, you know, massive government spending, increasing the size of government, uh, takeover of the WHO. These amendments that are coming up uh, that are going to be voted on in 2024 and the WHO are frightening. And they, they. He's talking about the WHO, which is the World Health Organization. He's talking about a group of elites that plan to take over complete control over everyone's lives. This is a U.S. senator, one of the hundred wise men that run this country. He's a senator from Wisconsin. He needs our support. Hopefully he's able to spread this Paul Revere call to action throughout his Senate caucus. We need to get this clear. It is not Democrats and Republicans. It's globalists and nationalists. Who is concerned about the well-being of the American people? We need to get this dialogue move forward. That's what we're doing here on the Professor Penn Podcast. Uh, we're getting better at it. My social media is out there. You can join me on social media, X, Getter, Truth Social. I'm going to start trying to respond to people. Please take the short clips, send them out. You're going to see the short clips in your feeds. Send them out. Help us build free people. It's go time. Today we have a handful of followers, you know, around a thousand followers. Uh, my cohort here, Royce White, has a half a million followers. Help us get to 10 million followers. Help us get to 10 million. Help us support the senators like Ron Johnson who have woken up and who are going to be attacked and vilified by the establishment in every state, in every local governance. There is going to be an attempt to brand people like me or like you as crazies, they're going to lose. It's like when it's like in business, the new company shows up and they're selling super cheap, or they got a new product. They're going to go out of business. Hey, you know what? Everybody else goes out of business. Those are the people that make it. Let's make it that way in politics. Let's let the crazies prevail, and let's understand that the crazies are actually seeking the truth. We're not cultists. We're not brainwashed. We're the ones that have critical thinking. And this thing with Ron Johnson's breaking out, that's culture changing, Senator Johnson's thinking. We're going to go out with uh, Oliver Anthony's song. I'm putting it at the end because I don't know if uh, the forces that be at uh, YouTube are going to allow me to, to play this. But this has got some great lyrics in it. This is, a inter this is a national sensation, this song. And we'll talk about it some more in the future. But the, the basic idea is... Uh, people are waking up. So let's go out and with uh, uh, Oliver Anthony, and I want to thank you all for joining, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week, and I wish you well. And please, spread the word. Spread the word. In the beginning, there was the word. Your words matter. Your word spread is self-governance. 
Thank you very much for joining. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men, North or Richmond, Lord knows they all just wanna have total control. Wanna know what you think, wanna know what you do, and they don't think you know, but I know that you do. Cause your dollar ain't shit, and it's taxed to no end. Look out for miners, and not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the whole beast milking welfare. God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground, cause all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Your dollar ain't shit, and it's taxed to no end. Cause the rich men, North the rich men. I've been selling my soul, working all day. Overtime hours for bullshit pay.